Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan, and today I am joined by Courtney Nassau, who I am so excited to join me. She is a speech pathologist. She is the owner of Chubby Baby, an amazing company now helping moms and parents out there with their kiddos. And what I love about this, and this is what I've loved about this podcast as I've moved forward, is that I always find ways to connect the dots between people. So our mutual friend, Danielle, who is the influencer known as Lou What Wear, she messaged, I messaged her and I said, do you think your friend who owns this company would be on my podcast. And then she was like, for sure. And then like sent me your information. And I'm so thrilled that you're here. Well, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And I'm so glad that you asked Danielle because she's been, I mean, she's been such an awesome supporter of my business, but also she has just kind of taught me everything I know. I mean, she's, she does the PR. So she's done my branding and such. And then so many things like I went to school for a medical job. And so, so many things just about being in business um, that I haven't known. And every time I sit down with Danielle, she like gives me a little pep talk. And my favorite is she sat down with me recently and she was like, you need to talk to the people on Instagram. If they follow you, they want to hear you. If they don't want to hear you, they will unfollow you. And it was this awesome it was this awesome pep talk that I was like, yes, this is what I need to hear. You know? So anyway, so glad that she introduced you know us. While that sounds like such an obvious thing, it is not because I double, I overthink almost everything I post. Like on my story, I'm like, am I going to annoy people? But should I post this? Should I post that? But you're right. If they follow you, they're there for a reason. So yes. you should own it. <laughs> yes. Every, every single thing I was doing, I was worried the same as you. Is this annoying? Is it too much? And um, she was, she was the one, you know, if you follow her on, on her Lou What Wear page, she is an open book. Um, but she was the one that said, you know, if they don't like it, they unfollow. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It is a very simple thing, and but it is a huge thing too. So at chubby baby underscore KY. So yes. we are obviously going to go into this much further, but I sometimes just like to give a little precursor as to what people are getting into. So yes. what is chubby baby Kentucky? So I am, so by trade, I am a speech pathologist um, and I work with pediatric feeding um, at the Children's Hospital. But as Chubby Baby, I started this business to be an infant feeding consultant. So I do in-home visits or virtual visits um, to help you out. Let me clarify right now, I am not a lactation consultant. Um, what I nope. found when what I've found is that the city has a lot of really good resources for lactation consultants, like wonderful, very educated women um, working in that space. And what I found was that if you were a person that either wasn't able to, or just simply chose not to breastfeed, um, there was really no support for that. And bottle feeding sometimes comes really easily, um, but sometimes it doesn't. You know, there are a lot of, there are a lot of issues that can come up when it comes to feeding your infant, um, like reflux and gas and colic and fussiness and food allergies and tongue ties. Um, that and then starting solids, which is a whole, you know, a whole other section of it that nobody was really addressing unless you went the route of 
having so much, you know, such a concern that you went to your pediatrician and asked for a feeding evaluation with a speech therapist, which then involves a referral to them and a waiting list and all of these things. So my goal was to be a more direct line um, as a consultant and just cut out that middleman and, and be a resource to people um, through my social media. But then um, also having those in-home visits and being able to do in-home, teaching parents how to address these things, um, offer suggestions, all of that. I This is where I fell in love with having the idea of having you on because one of the biggest reasons I started this podcast after I had my third, I realized so many of my friends didn't necessarily, or not even just my friends, people I knew, didn't have a good support system, people to ask. Whereas I had a ton of friends who were moms of one, two, three, four kids. I have a friend who's getting ready to have her seventh child. I had fr some of my best friends were labor and delivery nurses, postpartum nurses, lactation consultants. Like I had really good people around me to help me out. But I realized there are so many women who do not have great resources at all. They may be the first one of their friends and family to have a baby. So who are you going to ask? And one of the things I have learned so many times is like, Google seems amazing until you try to Google something that is any sort of medically related. It is way overwhelming. You have no idea what's true and what's false. And you're going to go down a very dark, negative, overwhelming path very quickly. Oh, absolutely. Well, and part of the reason um, that I started th doing this was because I was in I was in the space. I had, I mean, I am a feeding specialist as a pediatric speech therapist and, and speech therapy can take a lot of different roles um, or a lot of different routes. And I took the feeding route and I took the medical route, yet I still felt, wow, if I needed this, where would I go? You know, just a huge gaping hole. Um, and I'm like you, I have a really strong network of friends, but we were all having our first babies around the same time. You know, nobody had really been down that road before. Um, so it just felt like there was a huge hole in it, in, in the support that is needed for parents. Um, and you know, often you can go to, you can go to the pediatrician and, and, um, they might say, oh, here you go. Here's some formula. But if that formula doesn't work out for you or if bottle feeding is difficult for the baby, um, then what? You know, where where do you go from there? And people are often just left to sort of figure it out with trial and error. And one of the main things that I tell people is, is start earlier and seek support earlier rather than just sort of fumbling through and trying to figure it out because things can get so much better very early if you seek out the support early on. Um, I had had so many friends that I was doing this for already, you know, going to their house and feeding their baby and helping and making suggestions and showing them techniques and bottles, you know, changing bottles and doing that sort of thing where they would say, why don't you do this? Why don't you start doing this on your own? And so then here we are. <laughs> Well, I am so thankful that somebody like you exists because again, I wouldn't have known about it until our mutual friend was posting about you and I'm so glad she did. But I definitely want to go back to basically how you got to where you are today. So you actually yeah. did grow up in the Louisville area. I did. Um, I grew up here. We moved away um, for a couple years in middle school, but you know, middle school is weird no matter where you are. So who really cares? That doesn't count. Um, and then came back and I actually graduated from Mail. Um, so then after that, I, I spent my first year in college up in Athens, Ohio at Ohio University. Um, and 
during my freshman year, my parents moved to Florida um, for a job for my dad. So they moved to Orlando. And I was, I remember it vividly. I was hanging out in Athens, Ohio on Mother's Day. And I called my mom and it was snowing on Mother's Day. So, you know, beginning to middle of May. And I remember just being like, what am I doing here? Get me out of here. So um, I went down toward the University of Florida and ended up transferring there. So I'm a Gator through and through. That's where that's where I say I graduated from. Um, my husband went there. We have a dog named Gator. We are those people that will watch a Gator UK game at a bar and be the only ones here cheering for our Gators. But you know, it is what it is. So it was a great experience. So then after that, um, I went to grad school up in Washington, D.C. Um, at George How Washington fun. University. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So I I like to say D.C. was the coolest place to live. I mean, I, I probably lived there at the exact wrong time because I lived there when I was just paying buckets and buckets of money to go to school instead of making any money. Um and it's an expensive city, but it is so great. I loved it there and tons of young people. Um, I really loved being there. We, um, we used to, I always felt like everybody there, you know, is in the, is in politics and everybody is so dressed up. So just kind of a funny story from living there. I, used to go home. I mean, my clinicals were, I was at a hospital most of the time. And so I would be in scrubs and my friends would say like, come meet us for happy hour. But they all worked like on Capitol Hill. So I would go home and change into business professional clothing to go out and meet them at happy hour. <laughs> I love that. Sadly, I still have never been to DC. Ever. Oh, it's so, it's great. It is such an awesome city. I loved being there. I was only there for two years for grad school, um, but I absolutely loved it. I love, I'm like reading through like your bio that you sent me. And I love that you did get yeah. to dabble around the US because I have heard as you continue your education, it's good to get it from multiple places, not necessarily just stay at the same university and just small sidetrack. I have a cousin who graduated from Miami University or Ohio University. And I have another cousin who is right by there as well. So like Athens, Ohio, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, oh, but it's the best. was it very clear, very clear early on that that's what you wanted to go to school for? Because I mean, to go to school for that long, you clearly were dedicated. And I think being dedicated and perhaps an overachiever is something that like was definitely in your roots too. <laughs> yes, I, it definitely was. Uh, I was, I was kind of like the quintessential overachiever all through high school. Um, but then I really say when it comes to speech, I kind of stumbled into it. I I knew I wanted a job. Um, I knew I wanted a job helping people and the idea of of therapy in some way. So whether PT, you know, physical therapy, speech therapy, it appealed to me for what I now know were the right reasons. But I loved the idea of being able to, of having a license, having a trade that I could, if I wanted to take time off and have young children and stay home and then go back into a job, I wanted to know I had skills that that I could go back into, um, which actually looking back is like a really mature um, thought process for a high schooler. But thank goodness I, I had it because that this job has been so amazingly flexible and offered me all of those opportunities um, as far as working full time and then having children and, and dropping, having one child and dropping down to 
three days a week. And then I had twins so that we went from one to three kiddos um, and dropped down to just where I work two days a week. And then once I felt comfortable in that role, I decided to to start this this private business and, and start up again. Um, but yeah, I kind of fell into speech. I took one of the first classes, one of the first prerequisites and did well in it and liked it and found it interesting and then just kind of kept the ball rolling with it. So um, I got more and more. I always knew I wanted to work with pediatrics, but then um, when I was in my grad graduate program and I did some um, some internships at hospitals, that's when I became more interested in the medical side of things. And that's how I ended up where I am now, like go through a feeding, you know, more of a feeding track is what I've done with my career. So there are a lot of different ways to go with speech, but this is kind of funny. You know, people hear speech therapists and they're like, oh, so you work on kids' speech sounds. And whether or not it's embarrassing, um, my husband kind of made fun of me for it, but my six-year-old needed to work on his R sounds and we had to send him to another speech therapist <laughs> because it's just been so many years. That's not the direction I went. So I had no, I was like, gosh, it's been since grad school since I did this. Stuff. I don't know what I'm doing. So we actually sent him to another speech therapist that I know and love and really trust. And he was out of there in about six weeks of sessions with me. It would have taken the next 18 months, truly. <laughs> So what is the biggest difference between, like you said, or what is a speech pathologist? Because you're right. I think automatically people stop listening after you say speech and they just assume you help people talk. Yes. So, gosh, the the field is really vast. Um, So I kind of think of it as you can go the adult route and you or you can go the pediatric route um but then from there you can go the acute care um more medical route in like in a hospital setting um or in a rehab facility or and then with um with pediatrics you can work in a school um also in a hospital you can do i mean i work in the NICU actually so with premature infants um and then you're going from premature infants to end of life care basically is what the, the, what the field can span. Um, but is it ultimately I just chose, teaching that, like how to feed and eat and the, that entire process? Yes. It doesn't just have to do with actual speaking. Correct. Um, it's a lot to do anything in the, on the more medical side, I would say is the majority is actually swallowing. So it's feeding and swallowing. It's such a an amazing career. And again, when I, I used to think the same thing when I heard speech pathologist or speech therapist, I only thought about, like you said, someone who was having struggling with their R's or perhaps someone who had a, a stroke and was learning to speak again. I did not even realize that that's where it came in as far as swallowing, swallowing goes, because I've had several um, grandparents as they got elderly. I had one grandfather who started suffering from dementia and swallowing became mm-hmm. one of his bigger issues. And actually, my other grandmother, same thing. And the older they got, that is a huge issue with elderly people too. Oh, absolutely. And that's something that, yeah, if you've never had an experience with a speech therapist um, in any capacity, you wouldn't know, you know, I mean, it's, it's called speech pathologist slash speech therapist. They mean the same thing here. Um, And yeah, you wouldn't know, you would just kind of assume, oh, I remember that people will often say, oh, remember that speech teacher in, in school. And that is one one facet of the job. But 
like to your point, um, there are so many more. And when the care for elderly, that is typically, well, there's the speech and language component and the cognition component also, um, so much of that is swallowing related. And that's what I do too. Um, so much of my acute care in the hospital setting is feeding and swallowing. Okay. So you dabbled on this just a little bit. And you know, what's really funny to me is like when I told you to send me some copy about you, I noticed that you didn't include this part and I know it's not on purpose. It's just one of those things that it's like, you're definitely used to talking about your career, but, and that's a huge part of who you are, but you just mentioned a huge factor of twins, first of all. So let me rewind to your husband. When did you guys meet? Yes. Um, we met, um, we met in college. He was, he's a year older than I am. So he was we went to University of Florida in college. Okay. Um, he is, he's one year older than me. So we met only six weeks before he graduated and we kind of were inseparable from day one, but he was moving to New York. Um, he, he was a big shot with big plans. He was going to move to the, move to the city. So he was moving to New York. So fast forward, we did, um, we did almost four years of long distance before we ended up back here. Um, and I was not even here. I didn't bring him back, which is so funny. I'd grown up here, but he brought me back. I had moved to Nashville um, for my first job and he interviewed for a job in Nashville and they were basically like, all right, we can't use you here, but we would love for you to be in Louisville. And I said, okay, let me finish in speech. You have something called a clinical fellowship. Um, and I said, let me finish my fellowship here and I will move to Louisville. So we, he moved here. I came back to join him and we've been here ever since. Um, so he's not even from Louisville. He's from Orlando, Florida. So but uh, ironically, but his are, job brought him back here before yours did. It did. It did. And we couldn't, I mean, we, this is where we will be, you know, we're very settled. We love, he is Mr. Louisville. Now you would think that he was the one that grew up here. Um, but we're very settled and very happy to be raising our family. But then, yes, we had a little boy. He's six. And um, and then fast forward three years after that, we we were really like, OK, at, at two years, we're like, all right, we're ready for another baby, ready for another baby. And that ended up being more of a struggle than we anticipated. And then, OK, well, there's a reason for everything, because we ended up with twin boys after that. So um, they are, my six-year-old is, I mean, I'm sorry, obviously he's six. And then um, my twins are almost three. In March, they will be three. So it is wild at my house, but it's a lot of fun. You are surrounded by a lot of testosterone and you forever will be. <laughs> forever. I know. Um, and you know what? They're so fun. I think in my head, I think I just always pictured myself having boys. I don't know why. I just kind of always thought I was going to end up with boys. Um, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of superheroes. There's a lot of Spider-Man and Power Rangers and a lot of fighting and wrestling, um, which I kind of stay out of. But, you know, I contribute to this to this picture. I, um, my six-year-old knows he kind of rolls his eyes at me because he'll come in and he'll show me his clothes for, for school. And I'll be like, 
uh, I don't know. I don't, those colors, we don't really, that's not really what, what matches, buddy. We don't usually wear blue on blue and he'll roll his eyes at me and say like, oh, I know. I forgot. Daddy said, you're the, you're the clothes police. Um, and I'm like, well, I'm the only girl in here. I need to do something. <laughs> Listen, you just you're just trying to keep them all together. I do feel like you will be so protected and be so beyond love by all of your boys watching out for you and pampering you. Hopefully, I think in the meantime, you're probably going to be the referee, both literally and figuratively, because I mean, heck. I have a son and two daughters and they're already, I'm breaking yeah. up wrestling all the time. And it's not that, that it's even fighting. It's just wrestling that always turns into someone accidentally getting hurt because well, you're wrestling. Um, <laughs> this is what happens. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And they are either, they are either best friends or they are fighting over the silliest little figurine that somebody had and they wanted it. So, which I'm sure you're super familiar with, but yeah, I do. I oh, feel yeah. like I'm either, I'm either in awe at how close and how much fun they're having together, or I'm ready to pull my hair out because they have been fighting and at each other's throats. And really there's no in between. So what was it like? I don't know if I've maybe I've talked to somebody with twins. I can't remember at this point being pregnant with twins, having two babies needing to be fed. I mean, like, how do you do that? Because my third child, who is now almost 15 months old, is a wild child. She is so smart. She is so sweet and she is hilarious, but she is also more mischievous than my other two kids put together. So I have a seven and a half yeah. year old, a five and a half year old and a 15 month old. So there's a pretty big oh age goodness. difference between two and three. But my third child, I'm like, you would think I've never been a mom before because she keeps me on my toes that much. But I mean, for example, this morning at breakfast, I just watched her right before we started podcasting. She separated her Fruit Loops by color in a line, in a row, and then ate them <laughs> blue, then orange, then green. And I was like, what is happening over here? Like, who are you, yeah. tiny child? But Oh it's my just, gosh. I cannot imagine dealing with two of those at the same time in the same age. How do you do that? I know. Um, well, you asked about the pregnancy. I, I was super lucky, super lucky. And besides just being enormous, um, I had a really easy pregnancy. They were full term, you know, so it was, I, I was super, super blessed with that. Um, and then as infants, oh my goodness, I, I got this advice before we had them that, you know, it's just a little bit of a blur, but you make it through. And honestly, that is so true. I think it's a blur for everybody. And I, I think the newborn phase is crazy and hard for everybody. And so for, with twins, I mean, don't shoot me any other mom of twins, but it's not any harder. It's just more. It's like more of everything, but it's hard for everybody, you know? So I kind of, I felt like I went with the flow with that, but truly I do remember around four months old, um, must a fog must have lifted or I must have kind of, maybe people were sleeping more. I don't really remember, but I remember around four months old looking at one of mine and one of the twins and going like, okay, hey, buddy, like, maybe we should read a book or something. Like, I'm your mom. Good <laughs> good to see you. Because we had just been on this mega autopilot of just go, 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 never stop, you know, from the minute that they were born. Um, but then 
things started to settle down. You know, everybody, we just kind of get in more of a schedule, get in more of a routine. Everything starts to settle down a little bit. But, it, you know, as parenting, like this, as soon as you think, oh, I think I've got it. I think this routine is is starting to take shape. Um, things are going to change as that continues to happen. It continues to shock me. As soon as I feel like we're in a kind of like, oh, we're taking a breath. We're kind of in an easy phase. Then something else comes up. So um, I've been feeling like, okay, they're, they're fun. They can communicate really well. They're, they're really good friends. All three of them play together really well. And then all of a sudden I kind of look at the calendar and I'm like, oh, we got to potty train you. <laughs> so as soon as things get easy, it's just time for them to get hard again. But um, twins are pretty fascinating to me, honestly. Like you're talking about your third, your third child just being so different from the others. And yeah, we have, you know, they were born on the same day, but my goodness, they could not be more night and day. Um, really? But, you know, they just have, yes, they just have, I mean, and they're best of friends. Um, they're so fun, but twins have always fascinated me. And this is no different that they're my own because they are such different boys, um, just such different personalities. So it's really fun to see. Um, and I, I think they'll, I think hopefully all three of ours will be close forever, but it's just a fun bond. You know, I have a couple of different friends who have twins and I have some people who I, I say that I wasn't sure if I talked to somebody. Yes, I have. But I know one person who said their twins are completely different from one another while they're still super good friends. And then I know another family who has a set of twins that they are now teenagers and they are each other's best friend. They still do everything together. They still dress similarly. They're in the same activities together. I mean, they're absolutely joined at the hip. So it's just so mm -hmm. fascinating to me to watch because I think you do bring up a good point that it's not necessarily a harder job with twins. It's just more of what you're doing. Yeah. And I think back to you and I talking about support for parents and everything else, I think as much as people try to tell you and prepare you for having a newborn, it is impossible to prepare because you have never gone through it. And everybody's baby is different. Every female's body is different after going through the trauma of childbirth, whether it's cesarean or vaginal, like regardless it is difficult and you don't know how your body is going to react. I recently had a friend who like less than a week after having childbirth realized that bad she had postpartum depression and she had messaged yeah. me and I was like, you need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. But like, it's something that people don't talk about. And I always tell people right. like when you have a newborn, there is a fog, there is a blackout period that like you're just in it and getting through day by day. And you're right you probably around four months is usually when I feel like you start to feel like you've gotten the hang of it a little bit before it all changes again. Um, and usually when sleep starts to get a little oh, bit more exactly. routine, but like even now my 15 month old, it's, I think that she's in a routine. And then the second I do that, she'll start doing something new that I'm trying to figure out. It's a never ending oh. process. Never ending. Well, and I, I wish I knew where I've read this because I've said it so many times since I read it, but I, I love it. Um, just like you said, where nobody can prepare you. Um, I read this 
quote where somebody said, deciding to be a parent is like booking a flight to a country that you've never been to and knowing you can never come back. And I was like, oh man, that's so true. Because like you can see pictures of these people that have gone to this country and they look like they're having a great time. But what if you show up and you don't love it. And, and so it is there, you just, it's different for everybody and you really never know until you're in it. You know, you can't at all. And that's, you're right. I always tell people that your life is going to change forever and everything in it from how you sleep, how you eat, how you dress, how you shower, how you think, literally everything. But telling that to somebody, they're like, Hey, that's a kind of a, hard thing to tell somebody because that's a very overwhelming thought. But it's funny yeah. because I just messaged somebody actually right before I started talking to you and invited them to be on the podcast. And they were like, I don't know anything about being a mom or being a parent or being on a podcast. And I'm like, you have a four month old. Of course, you know, something <laughs> you have a yes. four month old, but I didn't but it, that, it was it was her first. And I was just thinking, oh my gosh, she's over there thinking she has no idea what she's doing. But guess what? Even sometimes a parent of like three or four, they still feel like sometimes they have no idea what they're doing. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, you're a different parent to every child because like you've got different experiences. So, um, so what I, we talk about it all the time. I mean, the things that, the things that maybe bothered us or that we got hung up on or that we worried about so much with our first, and then we learned, oh, wow, everything passes, like nothing is forever. So when this phase is really hard or it seems like the biggest deal ever, it passes and it ends up being like, well, that was actually okay. That wasn't that bad. Um, and so... I, I think you do. It's very easy to say like, oh, when you only have one or when you have more children, you you will learn or you'll you'll decide or you'll figure this out. But you don't really figure it out. I think at least personally, I just became more a little bit more adaptable and a little bit more willing to just to just kind of go with what works like don't overthink everything. Don't feel like everything is going to be this permanent or habit forming thing that's that's happening. Maybe it's just for now and it's going to pass just like everything else has, you know? So that was the one thing I, I have learned um, as they've gotten a little bit older and, and with more children is just being a little bit more flexible and a little bit more willing to just kind of go with the flow because this is going to pass too. That's something that I'm trying to remind myself of. Again, my third pregnancy was different. The delivery was different. Third baby is different. And the mom guilt of, and you're right, even it's we're in a comparison society on social media anyway. But sometimes I, I'll even call and ask somebody advice on, okay, my 15-month-old doesn't sleep through the night. And she mm -hmm. should. And I feel guilty. Like somehow I did something wrong. I have somehow broken her ability to self-soothe. And now my baby's never going to sleep. Literally, that's what my mom guilt tells me. But then I have to step back and be like, what has been going on all of my child's life, essentially? Oh, wait, a pandemic. And that's I've been home <laughs> the whole time. So her dependency issues could also be a byproduct of the fact that I have been home. She has not had to take a bottle. Literally, she took a bottle for five weeks when I went back. And then I came back home to work from home because of the pandemic. So all but five weeks of her 15 months, she hasn't had to touch a bottle. 
So yes. yeah, she's got, yes. she's got different dependency issues and it's like, but then I'll, I'll, people will be like, Oh, you just need to let her cry it out. You just need to do this. And I'm like, do you really think I haven't tried that? Like, yeah. <laughs> and then right. I feel guilty. Exactly. Like I've done something wrong. No, I mean, talk about goodness. Talk about each, ch- each child changing the way you parent. I mean, just just like the world that we live in. This is nobody is no one's ever lived through this before. So no one's ever learned how to be a parent during a pandemic where your kids are also always with you. Um, and but you're also probably trying to keep a job. Um, no one's ever taught us these things. So I do. That is one that is one thing that I really want to um express in in all of my social media posts and and things that for my business specifically is just if you take a step back and just kind of realize you're in charge here it's your life whatever societal expectations or or your own expectations you've put on yourself if you can kind of take a step back and realize okay wait i can make the rules and if the rules mean that i need to change what I thought was going to happen or adjust or, or stop something that's no longer making me feel good or that's no longer, um, that's no longer going well. I mean, all of those things are okay because you're ultimately there. It's your baby. It's your child. So you're ultimately making the rules. And if, if someone says like, Oh, we're still, you know, your child's still not sleeping through the night at this age, but yeah, we're making it through and we'll get there when we get there. You don't really have to change that if that's not something you feel like you need to change right now, you know? And so I try to remind myself all the time of that. I think, I think women get into this mom guilt and just really, really feeling like, oh my goodness, every single decision that I make today is going to have this long-term impact. Um, and not to totally generalize, but I just don't think men have that as much because it's often, it's often my husband, Steve, who will look at me and say like, do you really think that this is going to matter in six months? Do you really think this is going to matter in a week? And I'm, I'll be the one going, yeah, I guess you're right. It's not. Or with developmental milestones or, or whatever it might be that you can stress over and Google and call all of your friends and start comparing yourself to. And really, do we think that they're going to go to kindergarten in diapers? It's very unlikely. <laughs> Yes, but I think that it's something that women, you're right, tend to think like that. And my husband has to be the one to reel me back in. I mean, social media is certainly a part of my job. So I'm on social media and ins and outs of it. I have to know all of it and see all the latest news and whatever. I'm the one doing it. He doesn't even have a social media account anymore. So I mean, in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. it's like he's not surrounded by it as much. So I think it's a lot easier for him to pull back. So it's 100%. Anyway, it's, it is, there's, it's so different between men and women as well, because again, my husband and I talk about that and because I have been breastfeeding and I have been working from home, I have been home with all three of the kids since last March. So you're talking, I've got a first grader, a kindergartner baby, and he's been leaving every day. And so his stress comes from having to leave the house and be out in a pandemic ridden world. My stress comes Mm -hmm. from, I never get a break from the house because 
I'm here all day. I'm walking across my bedroom to my office to work. My kids are here. And then of course, doing mom things of cleaning and cooking and getting everything ready for the next day. And then the first time you sit down is after bedtime. And then I'm getting up in the middle of the night to feed the baby, put her back to bed. It's just this unending cycle that sometimes it's hard to feel like, oh, this is just temporary. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, I mean, he's not, at least I can speak for my own husband. He's not sending any of his friends a text being like, Hey, (laughs) the kids still aren't potty trained. Do you have any advice for me? So, so like you said, it's very much easier for them to sort of put it on the back burner or not worry about it. And we're always thinking about it, you know, or we're always worrying about, um, and talking with our friends. And every time you see a friend, you, you might want to, you might want to talk about other things for a while, but what does it always go back to? You know, people start talking about their kids again and, and you're right back in it. So absolutely. And I don't know how, I don't know how you all are doing this schooling from home, working from home and momming from home. I, um, my hat is off to you because the stress of it from last spring, my son is in at a place where he is in person, um, which I'm very grateful for because the stress of it from last spring, I pretty much was through in the towel and said, Oh, I mean, this is preschool. What, what else? We'll be fine. We'll catch up because it was just so stressful to have toddlers around and needing my attention and trying to get him on a zoom or trying to keep up with what his work was doing. And, and I pretty much just had to, to give up and say, we'll try to catch you next year, which luckily we have been able to. So the fact that you're still doing it at home with two kids in school and a toddler, I truly, I don't know how you're doing it. I have to say that the world works in funny ways of fate because we moved into a multi-generational home in 2018. So we built two houses in one and uh, my parents are here and I got pregnant like three months later, about four months later. And I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? Because of course, the first thought of, yay, I'm pregnant. And then my first thought is always, what about childcare? Literally the day I found out I was pregnant, I was like, but what about childcare? <laughs> and my parents were immediately like, what if we can retire in time to watch the baby? And which was always our dream was to hopefully, because of living the way that we live, we could allow them to retire early. And that's what ended up happening. So within one month of me having the baby, both of my parents retired. So right before the pandemic hit, I'm going back to work and my parents were with the baby, their grandchild in our home. And it was the ideal situation. And then the pandemic hit. And then it turned into my parents helping me divide and conquer. And my dad will take my son and help with first grade stuff. My mom will take my daughter and help with kindergarten stuff. And then my mom will also chase around after the baby. And then I come in and out of meetings and try to work in and out. It's like I get up before they get up, before they wake up, I get up and I start working. Stop, get them up, get them ready for school. Start working again. Stop feed the baby, get her ready, start working again, stop, eat lunch, put baby down for nap, start working. Hopefully she's taking a nap. If not, I'm losing my mind um, because my baby likes to fight sleep. So, I mean, this is a stop and start process every single day. And without my parents here, no way. I would have, I have no idea what I would be doing, but that just happens to be the lifestyle we started living 
right before all of this hit. So that is the only way we are able to do it. So I always joke that like my parents are the teaching assistants and I'm more of like the supervisor principal that's making sure that's communicating with the teachers, making sure assignments are turned in, get picking up the latest paperwork for every day that they need, getting everything ready for the next day. So that's my role in it. And then I have to come in and sometimes be the one that's the like, you're talking back to grandma and grandpa, you're not doing this. And then I have to like interrupt <laughs> and do that part too, yes. which is fun. So that's the madness God, of the way that we live. Yes. Oh, they, uh, that is incredible. Yes, they are the best. I, again, I have no idea how I would do it. My mom and I, it's fun because her and I usually go grocery shopping together. We cook together every single night. So it really has become a joint lifestyle living. And I tell my kids, they they haven't necessarily felt some of the effects of being home for almost 11 months now because they live in a house with nine people. And they're one of the nine, but they get to be around a lot of yeah. people every single day. But I also have told them because they have found out the hard way. That means there are how many adults watching you and you're not going to get away with that. <laughs> My son had to learn that yesterday. I was like, you thought I wouldn't find out, really? <laughs> oh, I love it. We actually, something, I mean, ours was a little bit similar in that my dad, um, my parents lived in Florida um, up when we had our first child, both sets of our parents lived in Florida. And then um, right around when our twins were born, so about three years ago, my parents decided that they were going to move um, here for part of the year. So they would stay in Florida for the winters um, and come up here. So they got a condo and had have been here. But then, uh, but my dad was still working. So he wasn't around, you know, they kind of split time. And very similarly, right before the pandemic hit, I think it was truly um, like January 1st um, was his official retirement day so of 2020. He retired. And then what we didn't know then that we know now was they were then able to be here throughout so much. I mean, so much of the year. They literally just two days ago went back to Florida for the first time for a prolonged amount of time. So they left... Um, they left to go back and stay there for the winter, which I'm very jealous of. But my kids are going to have such an adjustment period because they got so used to it. And we got so used to it. We got so used to being able to say, hey, mom, I have to run out for this. I have to run to the dentist. Can you come by just for 45 minutes even and let me get out, which has made such a difference. Um, and we never had that. So we absolutely don't take it for granted because when we were new parents, they lived in Florida. Every single time we left the house, we had to get a babysitter. And that's such so strange. Stressful. Um, so now for the next few months, we are we are on our own again, living the babysitter life, which is fine. Um, they deserve it. They deserve the time in Florida. But God bless grandparents. That's all I have to say. Oh, they are absolute saints. And I'm so glad that your parents got to be with you through everything. I think given the year of you're so right. Everyone having to relearn everything. If there's one thing I can look back at 2020 and be truly amazed by in a good way is look how fast everyone had to adjust to working, being a parent, to companies working, every single business, everything we did, we suddenly had to adjust to. And we did it. 
most mostly obviously yes some people lost their jobs some businesses have crumbled a hundred percent there has been issues but like even the school systems look at what they've had to adjust to it is incredible the rate at which we were able to say okay if we can't do it that way let's try this i think those first two weeks everything was in lockdown everyone was in utter shock but then i mean by the time we went like back to school in august I feel like people did have a, okay, and I hate this phrase, new normal, but we did. Mm -hmm. We figured mm -hmm. out how to persevere, how to accomplish school, how to accomplish grocery shopping, how to accomplish doing normal tasks, handling meetings. And it is, it's a crazy thing that we've all been able to learn, but not to quote a broken record, but we all figured out how to do a new normal and old dog can learn new tricks. Absolutely. No, it's pretty crazy. We, um, what I found, I mean, I, I was like kind of on both ends of the spectrum for, for this because it was a brand new business that I was, I was running and I found, oh, wow. Um, women actually need to go back to work or they need to leave the house to need my services because so much of it is like your baby won't take a bottle and you have to go to work. So I'm, you can call me and I can figure it out. But if you're never, like you said, with your, um, with your baby taking a bottle for five weeks and that was it. That was kind of what was happening. So you, if you never leave the house, you never really have to deal with any of that stuff. So I thought, okay, so I literally didn't get a single call, single, single inquiry for months. And then when, once people started to, to kind of get back to life a little bit here and there, go back to work. Well, then total opposite end of the spectrum, there were people that, that weren't comfortable with in-person visits. So I took a job that I had normally always said like, no, I don't feel comfortable doing this virtually. I don't think it can be effective virtually. And I did a couple and I said, well, let's give it a try. Let's see how it goes and learned that absolutely I could do this virtually. So um, like you said, just kind of adapting to it and having to learn this new way, but it's been, it's been very eye-opening. So now I'm, seeing people not just locally in-house, but but virtually from all over the country, which has just been a really unexpected um, change from this. I never saw this. I never saw that happening. So um, yeah, absolutely. Just being adaptable or, or being willing to kind of change your ways and say, well, maybe it can happen virtually. The only thing about it that I can't imagine is I don't know how you're going to convince people. I've never worked in a traditional office before, but I don't know how you're going to convince people that they need to attend a weekly meeting anymore because every, everything has become so effective to do it virtually. Um, if and when we go back to that, are people even going to show up or are they just going to say like, oh, I'll just call in? You know, I have said this to a lot of people. I think it is going to forever change a lot of the landscape of for a lot of industries where you have to be here at this time and you have to clock in, even if your salary, let's just say clock in and you have to be in the office from nine to five and do this and that, because now you have a, almost a year of data showing. I don't have to do that to accomplish my job. 
I can be at home. I can be more fluid. I can touch base in different ways. Not to mention now with a lot of the technology that's progressed in the last year, certain meetings, you could save a lot of travel time if you just hop on a Zoom call and somebody you may not have been able to get a meeting with before because they didn't have time to travel somewhere or like you said, are in a different part of the country. Well, suddenly that opens up a lot of other doors of, yes, I can do that. Sure, let's talk. I mean, it is a forever changed landscape. And I'm so happy to hear that your business has picked up. So are you maintaining both Chubby Baby and your pediatric position with the Children's Hospital? Yes, um, I have. I will never quit at the hospital. That is, it is like constant continuing education. Um and to be able to work in collaboration with with the doctors and with the teens and with the other therapists, um, that is invaluable to me. So, and I absolutely love what I do. So, um, this was never intended to replace it. It was just just a sort of a side hustle, if you will. But um, but yeah, for for everything that that COVID has taken from us, I do hope, like you said, I hope it gives us some more flexibility just in the work world. And, you know, from the standpoint of, of being a mom, I hope that if at that magic day of, let's say you take eight weeks or 12 weeks off the maternity leave, but if on that magic day that you've circled on the calendar that you're supposed to show back up in the office, if for whatever reason you or your baby just aren't ready for that, I hope that there's some more flexibility with that. You know, I hope we can look at moms in the workplace and say they've made it work and it's been fine. So if you need a little bit more time, if you need two more weeks, if you need, you know, whatever it might be, because you can't get your baby to eat well, or you can't get her to take a bottle or you can't, you know, you're not sleeping at all. I hope we can give people a little bit more grace and a little bit of flexibility because of what we've learned during all this. So, you know, kind of a silver lining um, to it, but just saying for as many bad things as it's shown us, hopefully that this, there will be some positives that come out of it. So ultimately chubby baby is a side hustle of yours, but, uh, with the hospital clearly being the main priority. So you have a lot on your plate and clearly people can see you if they need you at the hospital. But if people do need that in-home care specifically to what you're saying, how can people get in contact with you? Yeah. Um, my website is chubbybabyky.com. Um, and my Instagram, like you said, is at chubbybaby underscore ky. Um, and either one of those. So on my website, there's a whole area where you can send me an inquiry or book through there. Um, but I'm responding to, to DMs on Instagram all the time. Um, and so either or. I love what you're doing. I think it is so noble. First of all, that you work with kids in the children's hospital, but that you realize there was such a need for parents who were struggling to get their kids fed, which is clearly one of the utmost functions <laughs> and being exactly. a resource for moms, women's parents, and being one heck of a mother yourself. I am so glad that you and I were finally able to connect and I am so happy to follow you and what you do just because it is such a great thing that you do and keep up the amazing work. And I was going to say, if you know how to sleep train, I'll hire you for that. <laughs> no, I can say, I know a girl. That's the other thing is this has been, a really? 
Um, yeah, I do. This has been a really awesome community of, uh, of meeting a lot of people in a similar space. And there are sleep trainers, local sleep trainers. Um, you should follow Like a Dream Louisville. They do sleep training and they're amazing. Oh, you just made my day in so many more ways than you realize. Thank in you fact, so you much. Call for me. <laughs> Thank you so much, Courtney. You are just wonderful. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. I had no reason to be nervous. See, I told you. It's just you and I having a conversation. <laughs> you did tell me. No, thank you. I really appreciate it.